Hey, Jacob's Well Podcast. You know, sometimes it just takes courage to lean in. Maybe for you, there's a messy situation, a relationship, or at work, or just facing the chaos that is 2020. Well, this week we're going to be talking about a very brave person, a person by the name of Onesimus, and we're going to talk about the bravery it took for him to lean in because of the gospel. Let's dive in. So last week we started the book of Philemon, and the book of Philemon is an amazing little book. It's really just a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a guy by the name of Philemon, because Philemon, who's a leader in the church, a person who is being transformed by the power of the gospel, is a wealthy guy who owns slaves. And one of his slaves, by the name of Onesimus, is a guy who um, has run away from Philemon. He has probably done something to hurt Philemon, steal something, you know, and, and so now he's a runaway slave on the run. Well, he finds himself going to the Apostle Paul, and while with the Apostle, with the Apostle Paul, he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. And so now you have these two brothers in Christ, one who's a slave owner, one who is a slave, and in the middle of this is the Apostle Paul. And so the Apostle Paul has written a letter to Philemon um, about this situation. And if you remember last week, we talked about how the Apostle Paul has created just a masterpiece of how to walk into messy, complicated, you know, difficult situations. Well, last week we imagined the Apostle Paul sitting down and writing this letter and how he started off by focusing on what was good, that because the Apostle Paul had confidence in the gospel in Philemon, he talked about the changes in Philemon and and the good that was coming from Philemon and the power in that church. And he reminds Philemon of his commitment to the church and to grace and to love. He calls Philemon to be the best version of himself. Well, well, this week I want to kind of flip the page, and I kind of want to go to kind of like chapter two of this story, and I want you to imagine with me the Apostle Paul has finished this letter, and he calls Onesimus over, and he says to Onesimus, hey, Onesimus, I've written a letter to Philemon, and this letter is going to be challenging to Philemon, and it's a letter that I've written to reconcile between the two of you, and I believe the Apostle Paul had a, a bigger agenda that he, he not only wanted to reconcile between these two, but he wanted to teach a deep lesson to the church that Philemon led and all the churches in that region about what it means to be brothers in Christ. And so he said, Philemon, I've written this letter, and, and I wonder if Philemon, when he heard that, didn't feel relief that, hey, Paul's advocating for me. But then the Apostle Paul says to, to, to Onesimus, he says to Onesimus, this letter I want you to deliver it. And I can just imagine the Apostle Paul holding that letter out to Onesimus. Onesimus' hands maybe going behind his back, his eyes getting wide, and and just not knowing what to do with that. And and I wonder what it would have been like for Onesimus to, to take that letter, and because of who the Apostle Paul was in his life, and because the Apostle Paul sent him, and because he was trusting God, and because he was trusting the gospel. I just wonder what that conversation was like. We, we can only speculate on it. And I wonder what it was like for Onesimus to be journeying back to his home, back to Philemon's household. And I wonder what it was like for him to show up at the door with that letter in hand, and to walk in and, and just hand that letter to Philemon. And, and I wonder how the letter was written, uh, read rather. I wonder if Philemon read it or, or since it was addressed to several, he read it publicly and that dynamic that was going on. You see, this is one of the truths about the gospel is that the gospel changes the way we're supposed to be willing to enter into 
difficult stuff, relational tension. The gospel is actually supposed to change everything. Now, now once again, I, I just want to reaffirm and, and restate this thing about slavery, that slavery is an evil. It's always an evil. Um, it, it is part of the human story. You just really struggle any kind of culture or civilization that didn't have some kind of uh, slavery. It's part of the sinfulness that is in human heart, our desire to dominate, control, and own other people for our benefit, to use people. That's all in this evil of slavery and, and that this evil is still in human heart and it's, it's sneakier now, but it still expresses itself in different ways. And so this issue is still an issue for us today. So, so let's take a look at these next couple of verses from the perspective of Onesimus and, and just see what the Apostle Paul says to Philemon and what it must have been like for Onesimus to hear these words from the Apostle Paul. All right, let's take a look at this passage of Scripture. Okay, before we dive into the Scripture, I just want to remind you two big things. The first thing is this, is that there is a main thing that is unmentioned. We talked about this deeply last week, that the main thing that is unmentioned is the gospel. This is the only letter, book that we have by the Apostle Paul where he doesn't explicitly mention and unpack and teach about the gospel because in this book, the gospel is assumed. What I've written here is that although the gospel is not explicitly mentioned in this book, it is the subtext. It is the assumption of everything. That is to say, the, the, the belief that the Apostle Paul had that Jesus really lived, really died, really is, rose from the dead, and, and for that matter, is really returning uh, for his church and for his people. This is who the Apostle Paul is. This is how he thinks. This is how he lives on, uh, looks at life. This has radically changed the Apostle Paul, and Paul is seeing it change just thousands and thousands of lives in his lifetime, and he's seeing it change Philemon. He's seen it change Onesimus, and now, based on the gospel, he's asking these two to come together and to figure out this incredibly messy, sticky, confusing situation, okay, in, 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 in a historical context. And so the gospel is what the Apostle Paul is counting on. Now, let's take a look at this next point. This is another way of saying it. In other words, when dealing with difficult, thorny, messy, complicated issues that other, um, that to, um, issues, Treat others the way Jesus treated you from the cross. And so on the cross, Jesus Christ, who had all the power, all the authority, did not use that to crush us or control us or to dominate us. Jesus Christ, who became a sacrifice, was willing to step into our messy in, in relational reconciliation, this Jesus is our example. He's the standard. Now, that doesn't matter what's going on in society or what the societal rules are, what it was then, what it was now, it, it all comes back to this old thing of what would Jesus do? How would Jesus love? How would Jesus forgive? How would Jesus go forward? What would Jesus change in my thinking, in my way of doing it? This is the standard. So now last week, we again, we saw how the Apostle Paul began by talking about Philemon, who he loved, who was fellow partner in ministry, who loved the church, who was refreshing to the church. He talks about what is right about Philemon. And then at the end of that passage we looked at last week, he says this. He says, accordingly, because of the gospel, because of the work I see God doing in you, Philemon, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you, think about this, to command you, Philemon, as though you were a slave. 
as though I had authority over you, as though I could dominate you. I, the Apostle Paul, who is in prison unjustly, I could use my authority to command you to do this thing, and I'm bold enough to do it. He said, I'm not doing this because I'm afraid of you or I'm afraid to do it. He says, rather, he says, I could command you to do what is required. Remember we said last week that word required means to do what is appropriate, what fits, what, what is now the right way to do because of the gospel. He said, I could command this, but rather I recognize there's a better way. For love's sake, and love is always the best motivation. It's always the best reason to do this. He says, I prefer, or I found it preferable, or I found it wiser or better to appeal to you. That is to say, Philemon, I don't want you to be controlled by things outside of you, pressuring you, compulsing you, making you to do it, trying to control you. He says, I'm trusting that the gospel that is in you, I can appeal to that. And the thing that you should do, you will do. He says, I appeal to you. I, Paul, an older man now who is in prison, a prisoner myself, also for Christ Jesus. See, Apostle Paul understood is that the best way to get people to do the things that they ought to do is not to apply force and pressure on the outside, but to let God change them on the inside. The Apostle Paul believes in that. The gospel is, is the hope of that. And, and he is counting on that in this situation. So at this point, he's now going to tell him what is his appeal, what is the thing that he's being asked to do. Remember now, this letter is being, uh, being brought to Philemon and to the church and to others, handed to him by Onesimus. Take a look what it says. It says, I appeal to you. So here's my appeal to you for my child. See how he describes Onesimus? He's saying, listen, Onesimus came, and he found Christ, and he has been with me, and he is precious to me, and he's been serving me. This person matters to me. Because he matters to me, he should matter to you. This person matters to God. Because they matter to God, they should matter to you. And this is the nature of relationships, right? They get thorny, they get mixed up, they get messed up. And God expects us to walk into that and to bring the perspective, the air, the environment of Jesus to that. This is deep stuff. This is Christian maturity. This is sacrificial love that looks like I'm going to give up a lot of my rights and my opinions and, and my, my desire for revenge or power or to be vindicated. He says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. Now here's something interesting about the word Onesimus, the name Onesimus. It literally means useful. It was probably a name given to slaves to kind of... Um, you know, encourage them that, hey, we're giving you the name useful so that you'll be useful. Your job is to be useful. And it probably would have been a name that, that uh, people would have recognized as a slave name, uh, but, but it also would have been a, a name meant to, to um, kind of manipulate and to shape. And, and it, was, it, was, it was a name that meant useful. He says, my child Onesimus, whose father I became. And so he says literally, who, it says literally in the Greek, whom I beget while in prison who became a child to me, who, who literally he's saying, you know, it's like, it's like I gave birth to this relationship during one of the most vulnerable times of my life. I can't tell you how important this kid is to me. He is like a son to me. I am like a father to him. And so I'm appealing on behalf of Onesimus. And so here's Philemon. Just Onesimus is right there. And, and we don't know these guys, so we don't know how they're responding. But man, our imagination's and just must be going, my mind goes crazy when I think about this. Verse 11. 
formally, says before, okay? And listen, everybody has a formally. Everybody has a before. Everybody has a past. And one of the biggest mistakes our culture is doing right now is we are defining people by their worst moments, not their, their best moments, and not by their potential. And, and so everybody's got a formula. He says, before, formerly, he was useless. So again, his name is useful. He says, Onesimus, useful, was actually useless to you. Why? Well, because he was a slave. And one of the things historically we've learned about slavery is that, 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 that forcing people to do things, you get a poor return. Making it an issue of compulsion, using outside manipulation to either pressure or to guilt or to shame or to threaten, you you can get a short-term return for that, but long-term, it's more work than it's worth. It's ineffective. This is true whether or not you're a boss or whether you're a parent or whether you're a coach. One of the worst things in the world is a yelling coach, someone who, who is using external things to try to get a person to bring their best, to do the best, to be useful. Until we can reach a heart, until we can capture their imagination, until we can tap into who they are and their potentiality, we are are fighting a battle where it's useless. He says, so from now, uh, he says, but now he is indeed useful. Look at this, look at this. To you and to me, he says, boy, he's been amazing for me. I have seen a change because something has happened inside Onesimus that has made him unbelievably useful. And so he says, I want you to see, Onesimus, that not only is useful to me, he's useful to you. And I think there's a little play on words that Paul is playing here, is that is to say there is a benefit coming to you from Onesimus, not just because you got your slave back and you tell him what to do, but there's an opportunity here for you, Philemon, an opportunity for you to take a huge step forward in the gospel, an opportunity, listen now, an opportunity for you, Philemon, as a leader, to do some things that will set a different direction in the church you lead and the churches in this region that will show that as Christians, we look at each other radically different. I'll say more of that in a few minutes. I'll say a lot more about that next week. He says, indeed, now he is useful. Now, look what he says in verse 12. He says, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Okay, so again, the Apostle Paul is just making it very clear that, that in essence, Philemon, what you do to Onesimus, you do to me. You know, uh, what, 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 how you look at Onesimus is how you should look at me. And, and, and listen, this is a Christian perspective of advocating for each other and being for each other and loving one another and helping each other see that we should be precious to each other because we're precious to God, we're precious to Christ. He says, I'm sending my very heart. Um, I would have been glad to keep him with me. He said, now I'm doing this even though it was really hard to send him because he was such a blessing, he was such an encouragement. I'm in prison so he could bring me stuff, he could help me, he could help me write letters, all those kinds of things. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf. He said, he was doing for me, Philemon, what I know you wish you could have been doing for me. So while he was serving me, he was serving you. And he was serving everybody. If you think about it this way, we have the book of Philemon perhaps because Paul had the support of someone like Onesimus. So, so he is serving, he is being useful, and, 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 and not just for Paul, but also for Philemon. In order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment, for the gospel. Again, he comes back 
to the gospel. It's about the gospel. It's about spreading the gospel. It's about living the gospel. It's not about just believing the gospel, but it's about the gospel taking up over every part of our heart, our mind, our life, our perspective. It's all about the gospel. He goes on from here. He says, uh, but I preferred, again preferred, but I thought it wise. I thought it best. I thought it insightful to do nothing without your consent. Now, the Greek word for consent here is not permission, it's opinion. He's basically saying, Philemon, I really wanted to get your take on this. I really wanted you to get voice on this. I wanted to hear what was important to you on this. I recognize you have some skin in this game. I recognize that you, you know, um, 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 are, are a person who, who's this is affected. And so I want to give you voice. So, so I thought it wise to do nothing without your perspective, without your opinion, without your, your thoughts. In order that, you see that in order, that's a very strong term in Greek. It says, for the reason of, this is, this is what the end game is for the Apostle Paul, in order that your goodness, that is to say, the good things that are supposed to be the natural result of the Spirit and the Gospel, the good things that I'm believing will come from you, the goodness might not be by compulsion. That is to say that you wouldn't do it just because I ordered you to, or I commanded you to, or I threatened you, or I, I did any of those kinds of things. He said that it would not be by compulsion, look at this, but by your own accord. That is to say that it would come out from the inside out, that it would be the fruits of the transformation of the gospel. And so Apostle Paul is, is calling him again to the best version of himself. Verse 15, for this perhaps is why he was parted for you. So again, he gives a bigger perspective. He, he gives him a perspective that maybe this painful separation, maybe this, this thing that you saw as a, a frustration, a point of anger, or, or whatever it was for Philemon, maybe this happened for you that he would be parted to you for a while that you might have him back forever. And so what he does is he brings him into an eternal perspective. That, that, that the relationships we have, so often we treat them like they're temporal, but in God's economy, they are eternal. That is to say, we're going to be in heaven with our brothers and sisters forever. Look what he says. You get heaven back forever. Now, this is where it really gets powerful. No longer as a bondservant. Now, this would be an example of English translators watering down the word. The word just is, it's slave. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave. More than just a temporary dynamic relationship that, that is about control and structure and society today, but as a beloved brother. So again, if you go back into the first part of Philemon, everything he said of Philemon, he said, you are my fuller worker in the gospel, you are loved by me, and I love Philemon, and I know you love the church. You, you, you are known. It, word on the street, we've heard about how you refresh the church and how you care about the church and how you believe in the people in the church and how you sacrifice for the people of the church. Well, guess what? Philemon just became one of those numbers. So he no longer can be considered a bondservant. He's got to be considered a beloved brother. That is one whom you are called to love because I, the Apostle Paul, love him, and I'm your brother but even more than that, someone you are called to love because God loves them. They are a child of God. And so what Paul is doing is giving a gospel perspective on reconciliation, a gospel perspective on, on making things right. He says, he says he is a brother of Christ. He says, especially to me. He says, listen, he's a beloved brother to me, to me, 
And because it's to me, it's to you too. But how much more to you? He says, listen, listen, there's an opportunity here for you, Philemon, for you to grow in the gospel in a way you never have considered before. When you, you take him out of the, the, the realm of, of slave and you move him to the place of brother, beloved brother, man, the opportunity for you to grow in your understanding of grace, in your understanding of love, for the opportunity for you to grow in intimacy with Christ, in intimacy with Apostle Paul, in intimacy with Philemon, the opportunity for you to be an amazing leader who sets an example of reconciliation on a level the Roman world would have never considered is so incredibly powerful here. This is Onesimus becoming useful to you for your very soul. Okay, Philemon, your very soul. Before he could do tasks for you, now there's an opportunity for you to love him in such a way that would transfer you and people and, and, and could transfer, transform an entire church. So again, again, we've got to learn to move people out of whatever category we put them in as brothers and sisters in Christ and put them in beloved brother and sister in Christ. Now, maybe you've got some people who in your mind, in your heart, you've enslaved. So what do you mean by that? Well, you've got them in a category of say, this person is my enemy, or this person is not worthy of forgiveness, forgiveness, or this person is, 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 you know, it might really be some petty stuff or some evil stuff. It might be a racial issue or a political issue that I've got them in something where in my mind and my heart they're enslaved. I've given myself permission to put them in a category where I do not have to love them. You have an opportunity. I have an opportunity to move them to the category of beloved brother, to understand the power of forgiveness. We really only understand God's forgiveness for us when we learn to forgive someone who's hurt us or even more, maybe someone who hurt someone who we love. And so there's a deep, deep opportunity here for us to move to a deeper understanding of the gospel. So he goes on, he says, but how much more to you, both in the flesh, look at this, and in the Lord. So, so it's time now to move the relationship out of the flesh, to move it out of the temporary, to move it into just doing tasks, to what society says the relationship, and says, okay, the relationship is now in the Lord. The relationship is all about this incredible transformation that's supposed to take place in hearts and minds that radically changes the way we see God, we see ourselves, that radically changes the way we treat each other. It's about peace with God through Jesus Christ that gives us peace in our hearts that teaches us to bring peace in our relationships. Now, is this easy? Nope. Is it messy? No. Are there some people not safe who you have to keep at a distance, but you still need to find a way to love them? Absolutely. But, but this is the call. The gospel calls us to lean into the messy. It calls us to be brave. That, that's what makes him so amazing to Onesimus. You just got to believe. I, I got to believe that at some point he took that letter from Paul and he said, yeah, I'm going to go back. And he's walking down the road saying, am I out of my mind? I, I got to keep running. I got to keep going. I got to go another direction. Again, the scripture doesn't tell us that. But, but, but you just wonder the internal going on. You wonder what it was like Philemon reading this letter. And I wonder he read it and then he said, wow, am I going to share this with the rest of the church or not? You know, or maybe it just got read and he's hearing it when everybody else is hearing it. And now the whole room is hearing this. And then the question is, how then are we as the church of Jesus Christ supposed to respond in this, this light? So I want to challenge us with this. I want to challenge us to live in the transformational grace of the gospel and extend and believe in it for others, okay? Again, one of the big concerns I have is that the contemporary church is looking for a new gospel, a better gospel. We're trying to add things to supplement our gospel. 
But the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. It is powerful in changing hearts and minds. It has been doing it for thousands of years. The worst and the furthest from God have become the champions for God. The people who no one had any hope left for just seemed like God had hope and redeems them. God is a God of, of redemption. Relationships that seemed hopeless and broken, man, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us and through us to do these things in the most amazing ways. And so my challenge for you in terms of next steps is to spend some time in this text, going through it and asking yourself, am I seeing my relationships in the flesh or in the Lord? Is there someone who I have put in a category of some kind of slave, some kind of bondservant, some kind of other that I need to take a step back and say, okay, what does it look like to love that person? What does it look like to bring healing to the relationship? You know, one of the most difficult things about this book of Philemon is we don't know how it was, re- it was reconciled. We're going to talk about this a little bit um, last week. We're left in tension. And so what we have is the story. We don't even have the whole story. And then we have the letter. And, and the fact that the letter survived is a pretty good indication that some good things came from it. But, but, but we're left in tension. There is one tradition and to be perfectly honest with you, it's not a really strong tradition, but it is a tradition that what ended up happening is they came back and Philemon and Onesimus were reconciled. Onesimus was freed, and then Onesimus became a bishop of a ra- of nearby city, and that Philemon became a bishop of the entire region. Uh, we don't know whether or not that story is true, but, 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 but the power of that possibility is amazing. And the fact that we have the letter is a pretty good in- indication. But what we need to understand is that just like this book leaves the story in tension, we're still in tension. That is to say, it's not as important what happened in their story. What's important is what happens in your story and what happens in my story. Am I a person who the gospel is gripping more and more and more in such a way that I'm moving in my relationships from the flesh to being a person who's in the Lord? Let's just pray for a minute. Father, Give us your grace. Give us your your mercy. Help us to learn from Christ and his life, his death, his resurrection. Help us to be people who, like the Apostle Paul, speak life in the messy situations. And help us, Father, to be people of peace and, and teach us to love one another. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.